0: Hello, I'm George Abernathy, the proud president of FreightWaves. Welcome to the Small Fleet and Owner Operator Summit, uh, another of the FreightWaves series of virtual summits that really do a great job of looking at and being able to present information around our extraordinarily diverse market. I'm really pleased today. Our keynote fireside chat today is with Rob Estes. Rob's the president of Estes Express Lines. I know you see... A lot of that ST's equipment out there and have for a long time. It's going to be wonderful to hear the ST story. Rob, thanks for doing this with us today.
1: George, it's my pleasure. Uh, I tell people that when I uh, I enjoy seeing my grandkids and playing with my grandkids and enjoy talking trucking. So uh, <laughs> this is one of my three favorite things. So looking well, to-
0: you're well. You know, you're you're in the right place because a lot of the folks watching Freightways TV that watch Freightways TV and a lot of us who are participating in it are. We're we're trucking nerds and uh, in the world of transportation, the Estes name. And let's actually start there. The you know, as we think about small fleets, amazing to think about with the billions of dollars that Estes is, is doing in transportation that at one point in time, Estes was a small fleet. Talk a little bit. Give a little bit of background, if you could, or tell the bit of the Estes story, how that evolution has occurred. George, I'd love to
1: tell the ESTA story. Uh, my granddad, uh, 90 years ago, with one new Chevrolet truck, uh, started hauling freight. And this was in 1931, so pre-de- pre-regulation. So there were no rates, no ICC, Interstate Commerce Commission, governing. So I am not exactly sure how he determined rates, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, the Wild Wild West and similar to what an owner-operator at today. So, uh, again, my granddad was a one truck operator. He had six children, was a farmer. Uh, uh this was a, kind of the height of the depression. So he needed some extra money for that large family. And my dad was 10. My uncle was eight. So he had good workers on the farm. And so he decided to, uh, take on a second career, uh, as a driver. Uh, Drove between a little small town in Virginia, Chase City, Virginia, to Richmond every day and came back. Uh, The story goes, nobody today is alive that can collaborate or or even question it. But uh, when he went to double his fleet, to go from one truck to two trucks, uh, went to the banker to borrow money, like I'm sure a lot of folks on this call do. And uh, the banker told him, Mr. Estes. You need to decide whether you're going to be a trucker or a farmer, and the story goes that he flipped a coin. And thankful for me today, and the 20,000 people that work at Estes, it it came up heads, and it was trucking. So, uh, little little story. Uh, Again, uh, my granddad uh, ran Estes uh, until about the year I was born, in 1952. Suffered a pretty major heart attack. Uh, I don't know know the people on this. at this conference, uh, bear the pressures of uh, that day-to-day trucking. It's, it's Trucking is something that gets in your blood and you live it. You know, uh, It's a full-time job, as my granddad would say. It's uh, 24-7, 365 days. Uh, so, again, a pressure job. Uh, he had a heart attack in 1952. Uh, doctor told him he needed to get away from trucking, go back to farming, and uh he did left another 19 years, and my dad took over. Uh, he was a 31 year old with uh, only management experience he'd ever had. Was uh, he was a, a master sergeant in the war to uh, and uh, led his troops onto D Day at Omaha Beach. And so my dad took over in '52 and until 1983 ran Estes, and, and then uh, I guess I was third in line and. and Came along, and my son uh, is fourth generation. So uh, we're excited to be here. You hear about a lot of uh, smaller uh, family companies that that, uh, don't make it past the second and third generation. We feel Mm -hmm. very fortunate.
0: That's a it's a wonderful story. I appreciate you sharing that because there there is so much family heritage in the world of transportation, the world of trucking, and uh, cutting across. You know, truckload. What you guys have, have specialized in and have grown so immensely. One thing I, I, I kind of want to th- you know, talk about in this in this transition, Rob. Um, you and I were talking about it a little bit uh, earlier. As we look, and you talked about pre you know deregulation when it, when it was a regulated industry, and Estes was was started and went from your grandfather to your father and, and then to you and was 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 growing. But then deregulation hits and, you know, I think, uh, you know, somewhere when the rankings were being done on the top 100 carriers back in 1980, I think only five of them are around today. Estes is one of them. How how did you guys do it? How how, how has Estes not only survived, but at billions of dollars of, of revenue? How, how have you turned have you turned it into the, the largest privately held transportation company in North America? George, a lot of good people.
1: Uh, My dad and my granddad, uh, uh, people loved to work for them. Um, And, again, the platform that that, uh, when I joined the company in 1975 and then, again, through today, uh, uh, we have, uh, we call it the Estes Culture. Uh, I'm not sure if that's, uh, you find it in an encyclopedia, but we, we work hard to make, we're a family company. Uh, we work hard for the 20,000 folks and probably the additional 30,000 of spouses and, uh, dependents to be family. Um, uh, uh, this last year has been tough with COVID. Uh, uh, I just got back from my first actual terminal tour, really seeing our people out in the field, uh, just last week. And I miss that. Um, uh, when you're a family, you need to go out and see your family. You need to be looking out for your, your folks, uh, I think our people realize, and I, I hope they do, and we certainly uh, talk about it a lot. Uh, we're a privately held company, so we're not uh, a, a public company. We don't have to worry about quarterly results. You know, so we're not pushing the envelope and making changes just to make ourselves look better on Wall Street. Uh, uh, my focus and our focus is always on the long term, and uh, again, Public company, again, has to be uh, focused on what Wall Street wants. So we're focused on what, uh, again, is best for Estes Express Lines, but also best for our people. Uh, during COVID, uh, where we saw other companies uh, cut benefits and maybe even reduce pay, uh, we did none of those. Uh, we doubled down on our people. Uh, we actually gave... Uh, offered up to $25 million in industry loans to our folks. Knowing that COVID, uh, what we anticipated and it did prove out, was going to be a pretty devastating thing to to people, both on an emotional level and
0: on a financial level. So as you invested in your people and we see the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully it's not an oncoming train, but the light at the end of the tunnel is post-COVID, and looking at today and the market today, I'm going to take an educated guess and say that the Estes business is really strong today. And based on that, how, you know, you, you invested in your folks and continue to serve your customers. How is business today and how are you looking going forward on maintaining that, you know, momentum that you've got?
1: George, it is uh really, really strong. Uh, in by 46 years, I have never seen a situation for this prolonged of time, uh, at least for the last nine to 10 months. Uh, the demand for air capacity being so much stronger than the air ability and, and air competition to supply that capacity. Uh, everything I read, certainly with the amount of money that's going to be pumped into the economy with the, uh, quote unquote infrastructure bill, uh, and, uh, uh, the pent up demand of people that have been, you know, in COVID lockdown for, you know, for a year, uh, wanting to get out. I-, I see the demand, uh, at least continuing the rest of this year and possibly again, you made that educated guess. I'd love to hear your comments, but, uh, I, I think into the first half of, uh, 2022.
0: I appreciate that. So we we talk a lot about this, whether it be in truckload, less than truckload, that with this market being, as you described, near 46 years and in my nearly that long, we haven't seen it this way. Are you seeing your customers, are you seeing your shippers listening more to the having a, you know, that long term relationship and trying to Have it be so that downstream there'll be a, uh, you know, that relationship that will last or are are we making hay now, you know, so that when when downstream it occurs. And again, you guys being privately held, you know, have that opportunity to, you know, to to do things that you don't have to, you know, be, you know, talking to Wall Street every quarter and giving guidance. So do, do you see shippers acting differently now or do you expect when that worm turns that we'll go back to how things have always been?
1: Oh, quite the question, Uh, George. Yes, I'm seeing customers uh, uh, talking to them, uh, uh, warning. They want themselves to be the customer of choice. I hear that more and more as I talk to uh, uh, various customers. What can we do? And again, a different conversation than we were having back in 2008 2009 but how can we be your customer of choice so that limited capacity that you have can be supplied to us to help us move move our goods Uh, i had one customer who uh uh, made the comment that he did not want to take a call coming from estes because it seemed like every time we called uh, we were asking for a rate increase. So <laughs> I assured him that, that that was not the case, that, that we, we were trying to come to the table with uh, opportunities and synergies that could help both of us. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we're certainly seeing a different customer than, than we saw, in, again, like I said, in 08 and 09.
0: So um, one of the things I really wanted to focus in on, you've you've got so many employees so many folks that are driving those uh, SD pieces of equipment we try very hard freight waves to make sure that we say thank you to those essential drivers the, the workers that 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 were having to work from home not able to go into those terminals as you know you you may have wanted to or you're not able to make those terminal visits are, do you feel like during the pandemic that the appreciation necessary you know, have we said thank you enough? I know, I know internally the Estes culture uh, lets them know that, but are we as an industry understanding better now just how critical the drivers are that are behind the wheel of those Estes trucks?
1: I think so. We, we always work hard to tell our people uh, how important they are and doubly so over the last year. Because like you said, a lot of jobs could go virtual. You cannot deliver freight virtually. I think that's a proven fact. Um, Air drivers are heroes. They were put in harm's way. Uh, Again, you were seeing on the nightly news or the newspaper the number of deaths from COVID, and we ask our folks to go out and make deliveries. Again, our road drivers that run at night, uh, you know, we're in the truck most of the time, but they had interfaces with their people at our terminals and then our pickup and delivery drivers will be, you know, seeing multiple, multiple customers every day. And so we we asked them to, 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 to do their job, to keep America moving, and they did. And I don't think I could be more proud of their people. I think the American public, uh, when they saw how critical the supply chain was, and when they, you know, very early on in COVID, went to the shopping center, uh, the grocery store, and the whole row of toilet paper was out. Uh, I think they uh, hopefully got an appreciation that how important uh, truckers are. Uh, truckers move America. And so yeah, I think it was a good thing. I think a much needed thing. And uh, uh, I think the, the vision of a trucker uh, has moved up a couple of dodges, uh, in the last year.
0: Boy, I... I- your lips to God's ears. We certainly share that sentiment um, at Freight Waves and and try so hard to make sure that the the drivers and the essential workers inside of a of an Estes um, are are recognized for keeping the the country moving as much as we were able to. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to bring this one home here in just a little bit. But I wanted to ask. I won't ask you to look in your crystal ball anything beyond what I've already done. But I'm I'm, I'm intrigued by it because you know, you're, you're a trucker, you're in transportation and you see all of the technology that's coming our way that's, you know, going to change the way that business is done. And you've heard that for a lot of years. Some things have really changed how things have worked and others haven't. What what do you see that's coming by your desk now? I'm sure which a lot of things must come by that desk. What are you seeing that you think will be the impactful? I mean, we see, you know, uh, electric vehicles the EVs we see you know all of the the autonomous conversations what any those are others what do you really think in three five ten years will be something that has made a mark that is doing something in our industry that may not be you know so done in that same way today a few things uh, certainly the pace of technology is changing
1: faster and faster uh, what used to a cycle that used to be 10 years got reduced to five years, and now it's two years. You know, you think of uh, what drives a lot of business today, and, it, you know, there are a lot of apps uh, I know that you represent. You know, Truckertable is one that, that that I know specifically about, you know, that works on a smartphone. And, uh, and when you think about a truck company like Estes, again, air drivers use smartphones to do various things, but they, uh, we still have our mainframe uh, that was developed in 1984 and, and is still clicking, but it, it takes a whole lot of kicking to, to, to make changes in it, where the pace of change when you have a a, uh, I guess, a more dynamic, I'm trying to think of a good word for the, the tech, newer technologies uh, that the smartphone can bring. Uh, a company like Estes that, that really, to do air, four billion dollars in revenue a year we we have to have a mainframe we can't operate everything off of a smartphone. Uh the companies that that hopefully are on this call you know have the opportunity to probably spend less as a percentage of revenue on IT than 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 we do as a company. We spend about two and a half percent of uh revenue on our IT budget and uh again when when you think of the things that are available uh you know, with a smartphone and some of the new technologies, uh, uh, you know, can certainly drive down cost. Uh, a few of the things that I, you know, again, uh, when you uh, call me and ask me to talk, uh, you know, I'd love, again, I love to talk trucking. Uh, my dad had a saying that uh, if you weren't holding, if you had an employee that was not holding a steering wheel or driving a tow motor, they were dead weight. And I think one thing that, that, any organization should be constantly looking at is their overhead. Uh, you know, how do you uh, do with not fewer people, but how can you grow and not have to add people? I think that's the best way to look at it. And I think technology has to be the way. Uh, in, in my time in trucking, I mean, when I was first starting, we had 40 foot trailers and went to 45 foot, then to 48, then to 53 we really haven't had any substantial uh, productivity improvements in 25 years. Uh, in fact, I think with palletization of freight, we've even actually gone down productivity-wise. So we have to make it up uh, uh, in, in productivity. And again, I look at technology and certainly the smartphone and its derivatives. I think that's something that, that uh, this group should really pay attention to. The other thing, uh, again, I'm an accountant, uh, by, by training, uh, never, never worked for an accounting firm. Uh, my dad was pretty sure, uh, I needed to go work, uh, here directly out of college. Uh, uh, but I'm, I don't say fanatical, but, but work hard to make sure that I know my cost. Uh, I mentioned my grandfather earlier on in the conversation. He, uh, If at the end of the day, uh, he had more money in his left pocket where he put his receipts than he paid out in his right pocket, he thought he was doing good. And I would say, and again, I'm not making a broad statement, but it's very important as a small business person to, to really know your actual costs and to be conservative with those. Uh, if you, uh, again, aren't preparing for that engine going down or, uh, a mishap, uh, uh, a lot of times a profitable business can turn, uh, negative. So I would just encourage, uh, uh, anybody that's a smaller operator just to make sure that they have a good handle on their costs. Uh, certainly hiring good people today is critical. Uh, uh, my generation, uh, it's a lot different from millennials of today and, and maybe a little bit different work ethic and maybe a little bit not as excited about driving a truck. And we just have to make uh, uh, what we provide at companies uh, attractive uh, to the people of America.
0: And, uh, so. That is so incredibly well said. Um, I do have to Park the truck. I tend to say land the plane, but I gotta park the truck, sadly. Uh they're they're giving me the hook here. Um what great counsel uh for the 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 small fleet operators to to be thinking about. And I I will think about your grandfather's ledger system, you know, in one pocket and the other pocket. I've you know, I've got both sides of the ledger going there. And that that was that's a great way to be thinking about it. And that's just that just is, is going to continue. So always being knowledgeable. You, about really, it.
1: you really have to be careful. Uh, again, if I was running a small business, I would make sure that that uh, I mean, I drive my my wife's uh, hand me down uh, 2015 car. So uh, I want to make sure that all the costs that, that I have are accurately reflected so I can price uh, my business uh, to make a profit. If, if I over underestimate my expenses or overestimate my ability to handle revenue and, and bet on the next load to come, uh, it's challenging, so good
0: luck. Rob Estes, Rob's the president of Estes Express Lines, Rob, industry icon, LTL icon, $4 billion worth of revenue, um, multi-generational, the, the, the number of highlights are so significant. Thank you for doing this. Really, the folks at Freight Waves and everybody in the virtual summit appreciate your time today. Thanks for doing this.
1: Well, I appreciate Freight Waves. Y'all provide a great service. You, you provide information, which is key, and just appreciate what you do for industry to make it uh, better every day.
0: There's no better example than what we just saw from a one truck. Thankfully, that coin flip went the right way, and it ended up becoming a $4 billion operation of uh, in the world of trucking. So thanks to to Rob Estes. Enjoy the rest of the uh, Small Fleet and Owner Operator Summit coming your way from Freightways. Thanks much. Have a great day.